0: You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode. All right, all right. Welcome back. It is good to see everybody. Again, we just want to say thank you so much for being with us today. It is our hope that this group of people can become your family, away from family, not to replace your family by any means, but that we could be people that love and support you over the next few years here at Virginia Tech, amen, awesome, alright, my name is Anthony, my wife Michelle and I have been the directors here at Virginia Tech Chi Alpha for going on 15 years, so, oh thanks, it just means that we're old, that's all, just, that's all it really means, all four of our kids, you know, they're... Well, actually, my oldest, Micah, was not born here, but the other three were born here. And as you get to dive into this family, you will see them either running around here during worship sometimes, or you'll definitely see them at fall getaway. I don't know if that's a plug or not, but if you're missing younger cousins and things like that, come come hang out with my kids. And uh, And so, anyway... I might have a picture. I don't know if they got a picture. There we are. It is... uh, uh, I don't know if it's because I'm close, but I can't even see at all. But it's a little blurry. I think we look better than that, but I guess the verdict's still out. So anyway, man, we, we are here because, along with your staff team and interns, because we actually believe that the people sitting in this room are the people that can change the world. Not just because you are going to get an engineering degree or a business degree or whatever it is you're here studying, but because when Jesus gets a hold of your life, there's nothing he can't do. And we believe that as we look out across the globe, We need a whole lot more Jesus because there's a lot of hopelessness. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of orphans. And I don't know if you know that sitting in this seat right now, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus our Father in heaven wants to answer and be the answer for all of those things. Amen? And I believe the people in this room. It is said that here at the university setting, people are gathered for a season and scattered for a lifetime. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe not, but you will the longer you stand or come, come around here. Why? Because right now you are in this, the sweetest season of your life. Believe it or not, even with OCHEM, you're gonna make it. And you get to be in a community where everybody is really experiencing this similar thing. This is never gonna be like this again in your life where everybody on your block is at the same stage of life that you're in. Never again will that happen. <clears throat> and so it's just, it's, there's something sweet about the reality that the people in this room, They kind of get you. They kind of understand more than you believe. And, And the other thing is, is that there's some people in this room that you're walking through things and you think you're the only one. That's a lie. It's a lie. There are so many people in this room that are walking through the same thing that you're walking through. It's just that we've grown up in communities that don't share that. We've grown up in communities that we don't share weaknesses. We don't share our struggles. We don't do that. But I want you to know here in this, this place, in this family, we're all broken that need Jesus, including myself. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you, right? Like, these, this is the truth about Jesus, is that he loves you exactly the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. And he wants to see you become more and more of who he created you to become. And I believe that that can happen as you dive into more of who he is. And so tonight, I want to start our semester off by addressing priorities. I want to talk to you about what is your priority? A priority is the fact or condition of being regarded or treated as more important. What is more important than everything else in your life? What do you show special attention to in your life? It is one of those things where if you just zoom out a little bit on your life, you can begin to see where your priorities lie by where you spend the majority of your time. You can... Also see where your priorities lie by looking at your checkbook or your Venmo, (laughs) right? Where do you spend all of your money? I just realized I dated myself. You guys don't even know what a checkbook is. (laughs) But anyway, it was the way we used to spend money. Where does all of your time and your money go? It is in that place that you begin to discover what it is that you're prioritizing above all things. You see, if you grew up in a Christian home and gone to church, you probably have heard a statement like, God first, family second, school third, or your career third, right? Like anybody else, is that familiarized to anybody? Anybody ever hear anything like that? The, the challenging thing is that here in the West, it's the hardest thing to see. That, that I think sometimes here, we we say that growing up in church, but how many of us actually saw that lived out? I don't know about you, but I grew up in a home that we went to church every Sunday morning. But Monday through Saturday, the only time we prayed or talked about God was when we sat down for a meal. Anybody relate? I right? Okay, like, think about that for a second. If God is supposed to be first, family second, and school and career third, but we never talk about God outside of Sunday morning or to bless the meal so we don't get sick or to change the molecular makeup of whatever we're eating so we can stay fit, I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, is like, this is is something that we struggle with because we've yet to see it. And Jesus didn't die on a cross and come to life three days later, conquering sin, death, and the grave, taking on all of the weight of the sin for all time for you and I to sit in a church service for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. That's not what he did that for. Actually, he did that so that he can have intimate relationship with you every moment of every day from this day forth on into eternity. Come on. And so why are we living like Christianity is about church, about a church service, about a building. Perhaps maybe it's because we haven't seen it, which leaves the question, why haven't we seen it? Perhaps maybe it's because... There's so many things in this world that not only distract us but cause and create worry and anxiety in our life. And when you are worried and when you are filled with anxiety, what begins to happen is that your your gaze, your, your focus becomes more set on the thing that you're scared of, that you're anxious about, that you are worried about. And the truth is, we spend more time worrying and trying to fix things than we do praying and seeking the one who is able to step into those moments. Can anybody relate? You know, it's interesting today. They say that anxiety, especially among your age group, is at an all-time high. And I believe it's anxiety that, again, can be one of the biggest threats from us putting God as, as the top priority of our life. Because we can have anxiety about going off to college. Anybody? <laughs> You're like, yeah. We can have anxiety about, did I choose the right school? I mean, what if I was supposed to go to UVA? I mean, wait, that never happens. But... <laughs> But the truth of the matter is, right? Like, will I fit in? Will I make friends? Can I, will I graduate? Anybody? I was in your shoes once. As my grandfather would say, many moons ago. And the truth of it is, as I sat in the seat that you sat in, those were the same questions that I was struggling with. Can I make it here? Will I have any friends. What do I need to do to, to fit in? Will I be accepted or do I need to change the way that I do things in order to be accepted? Right? Some of you came out of high school and you may have been right, like the social bug. Everybody knew who you were and, and you were like friends with everybody and now you've got to start all over. And I'm going to guess your high school wasn't this big. And it could be overwhelming, and it can cause anxious thoughts, fearful thoughts that I lay awake at night worried. Worried about my future. Worried about fitting in. Worried about finding the right group of people worried about will i even get a job after i spend these 4 years that will pay off the loans that i'm accruing right now and as we dive into that reality it is anxiety that can begin to grip us it's anxiety that can begin to to hold us captive It's anxiety that can rob us of the very life that you were created for because it becomes our focus. But anxiety, I believe, is at an all-time high more than ever because of social media. And here's why. Because when you look out, you're worried about missing out on the next greatest thing. And everybody in the world is posting their best picture of their self on Instagram in their best moment of their week, and you're like, man, I am missing out. Look at the life that they're living. It's amazing. And all of a sudden, will I ever have a life like that? Will I ever? Anybody? You see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, we're like, we're freaking out. And the truth of the matter is, that's one moment of one day in that person's life, and you have no idea, because they're walking through the exact same thing you're walking through, and they'll never post it. And so it leaves us Anxiety-ridden. And so today I want to take a quick look at a passage of Scripture that Jesus talks about. His heart for us to not be anxious. And before I do that, let me... Let me say this. What if I told you? What if I told you that being one who is anxious, perhaps, maybe, it has to do with our lack of faith in the God who created all of us? We're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 6. And the Sermon on the Mount is, let's just be honest, the greatest message ever preached. But it is an insight to how we're to live within this kingdom. I don't know if you know this, but but Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is the same message that his forerunner, right, John the Baptist, came preaching. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Friends, today, the kingdom of heaven is still at hand. Matthew 6, 24 through verse 34. This is what the Word of God says. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory is not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So don't be anxious. It's that simple, right? We wish. (laughs) But it's interesting, earlier in this passage, Jesus makes this statement, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Ending those thoughts in verse 24, no one can serve two masters because your heart only has the capacity to serve one God. The question is, which one will you serve? You see, anyone can serve two employers, right? There's people in this room. You know what it's like. You've worked hard this summer. Some of you work two. Some of you work three jobs. Anybody can do that. But what we're talking about here is is masters, right? So in this reality, a master of a slave would have total ownership, total ownership, full-time service, You you can't be owned by a master and have full-time service to two different masters. Are you following me? It's one. And D.A. Carson, a biblical scholar, says either God is served with single-eyed devotion or he's not served at all. You see, anxiety and worry point to this one fact that your treasure and your heart are wrapped up in something else other than God. It could be monetary things, material things. It could be your academics. Maybe it's our identity. And anxiety and worry come from a misplaced priority in our lives. We become more focused on this life and what happens in this life, so we begin to feel the pressure of life weighing us down. And we often and easily take these things into our own hands instead of trusting God and who He is. To worry only declares that we really don't believe God is who He says He is. Matthew Henry says this, another Bible commentator says, The forbidden thought here is that disquieting, tormenting thought which hurries the mind hither and thither and hangs in its suspense, which disturbs our joy in God and dampens our hope in Him which hinders our sleep and enjoyment of ourselves, friends, and what God has given us. I mean, that's no way to live. It's just no way to live. But if we're honest with ourselves, we've allowed these things to, to grip us. We've allowed our focus to be on these places of worry and torment and In fact, again, I believe that there are many people here today, tonight, that it it is a, a challenge to fall asleep at night because your mind is racing, worried about this class. I mean, some of you have nightmares about missing exams, right? That we lay awake at bed at night just worrying, allowing the things to run through our head. Then we don't sleep well. We get up and the... The day gets off to a, a more difficult start because we've been so consumed in the night with anxiety and worry. It's just not the way to live. I don't want to be held captive by worry. I don't want to be held captive by anxiety. Is there anybody else that says, man, I'm just not, not I don't want to live that way. I'm, I'm ready to know the freedom. See, Jesus came to set us free. And the truth is, is he wants you to know what it's like to live a life free from anxiety. He doesn't want you to worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. Like, are you serious, God? He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's enough worries of its own, man. And what can you add to your life by worrying, by by the anxious thoughts? Isn't it amazing how the Bible speaks to where we are at today? Come on, have you thought about the fact that a few thousand years ago this was penned, and because this was penned and still speaks to us today, does that not does that not stir you? That God knew where we would be at right here, right now. Because He made you, and He knows everything about you. You see, He also came as the Prince of Peace so that you don't have to be someone who struggles with worry, with anxiety over the things of this world that will not last. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some of us in this room tonight need our hearts and our minds guarded from the anxious thoughts that hold us up and awake at night. and Jesus the holy spirit tells paul to pen these words don't be anxious about anything about anything and the way to do that is a life of intimacy with Je- with Jesus that's what prayer is right communication Communication with God, that that we would live the life of prayer, that we would communicate with God. In other words, like, man, to pray and to give him thanks. Give him thanks that you're alive today. Give him thanks that, that, man, you are able to study at an institution like Virginia Tech. Give him thanks, right? Give him thanks that you've been given the resources that other people don't have to be here today. Come on, this is something to be grateful for. But all of a sudden, we get so consumed on what we don't have. We get so consumed on what's what might be that we lose sight of what we what we have. He says, "Pray, give thanks, and the peace of God will guard your heart." I just wonder what would happen if. If we as a community understood that we have access to the Holy One, that we can bring all of our challenges before God, do you know that he knows them and he knows exactly what you need? Come on, this is, this is something we just don't take advantage of. He's looking for people that would pray. I love this because Jesus puts things into perspective for us, right? In the midst of this truth, we all have moments where anxiety creeps in, and God reminds us that there's no need to worry. This is the whole point tonight. There's, there's actually no need to worry. And, he, and the example he gives is, like, look at the birds. Like, they don't, they don't collect their food. They don't store it up in, 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 in barns. And he takes care of them. Right? He takes care. He dresses the lilies of the field. Like, you know, and they don't toil. They don't spin. And yet, that's where we're at, right? We're working so hard in, in order to, for all things, right, attention for all of the things that we think we need. And yet, your heavenly Father knows you need them. It doesn't mean we just get to sit. You're not going to be able to make it through Virginia Tech if you just sit in your dorm room and do nothing. Let me just be honest, Right. But neither does the bird. How many of you have ever seen a bird sitting on a, a branch on a tree just like this and bugs just whoop, just flying in there, right? That would be crazy if you ever saw that. I had a picture today when I was thinking about this, like a little sparrow and a, one of those June beetles just flying really fast, boom, and knocking the bird off the tree. I don't know why I think about things like that. But we don't, we don't see things like that. Why? They still had to work hard, but it it says that God has provided for them. You see, anxiety and worry come from a lack of belief in that God cares deeply for you and he can provide for you. Can I just say one more thing before we move on? Your whole life, we're taught to be Independent. You've got to gotta make it happen. You've got to do this thing. You've got to only count on yourself. And the, the gospel and the kingdom says, no, it's depending on God. It's depending on God, and you will wear yourself out if you try to do this all in your own strength. Remember, God is the God that created everything. One pastor states, miracles are not God's momentary act of intervention, but a revelation of His character. You see, God's provision to provide what you need is a revelation of His character. And His character doesn't change. He remains faithful through the ages time and time again and he will not fail now some of you I, I, I want you to understand that that there are these practical steps like to to step into his provision and it's this to seek first his kingdom to seek first his kingdom let me just say this God's character his names his promises will never change. Because of these truths, you don't need to worry. As a follower of Jesus, God is with you. He is for you. He is not against you. He is trustworthy, even when no one else seems to be. He cares for you, even when you do not feel his presence, because he's bigger than feeling. He loves you and cares deeply for you. And You are extremely valuable to God, and he proved it when he died on the cross to give you life. He loves you. God knows what you need before you ask. You see, worrying about these things becomes actually an affront to God and His character. In fact, it is like we are pagan. Pagans run after these things. Gentiles run after these things instead of running after God. D.A. Carson says this, For any other concern to dominate one's mind is to stoop to pagan fretting. D.A. Carson also says Jesus' disciples must live lives qualitatively different from those of people who have no trust in God's fatherly care and no fundamental goals beyond material things. Do you believe in God's fatherly care over your life? That he cares deeply about everything that you're walking through. He weeps with you, those of you who live in fear from torment of the past, I want you to know that there's a God who is broken over that reality. Maybe that's the place where your fear and your anxiety run. Will it happen to me again? Will I be taken advantage of again? There's a God who wants to come and bring deliverance. Seek first his kingdom. This is two parts. This is the first part. You see, the priority for all the disciples should be to seek first his kingdom. What's his kingdom? Let me just explain this to you. His kingdom is where he reigns and he rules. It's anywhere that he is king. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, that means, right, the spirit of God lives within you, that his kingdom is here. Why? Because he reigns and he rules over my life. I don't know if you know this, but but this will become more apparent the longer you're here. That because look, I just want you to look in this room, right? There's a, a few hundred people in this room, right? The kingdom of heaven is here as he reigns in this place. Come on, that should get somebody excited. That actually on a secular university where there are a ton of, of Gentiles, pagans, secularists, right? All kinds of other religions. There is a God who reigns and his name is Jesus. And as we lift up his name, more of his kingdom comes. Right? Because it's where he reigns and he rules. And if we don't understand that, we can miss this. What am I seeking? You're seeking his reign and his rule in your life. You're seeking, in other words, his lordship where he's king. You're seeking his lordship. His kingdom should have precedence over all things. You see, we have to make His kingdom our aim. It should be the one thing we seek, our desire. Because where His kingdom is, it's where He reigns, which means really His kingdom is, is really seeking after Him. His reign and His rule in our life. His lordship DA Carson says this, to seek first the kingdom is to desire above all to enter into, submit to, and participate in the spreading the news of the saving reign of God, the messianic kingdom already inaugurated by Jesus, and to live so as to store up treasures in heaven in the prospect of the kingdom's consummation. Let me just put it to you a little bit more plainly. It is the desire to be a part of this kingdom, to walk in submission to the king, to participate in the mission of the gospel going forth now, not later, but even here at Virginia Tech, and to do all that we do unto the Lord every day as we wait for His return. And you see, these goals require wholehearted devotion and allegiance, So we must prioritize the kingdom life. Do we see the reign and rule of King Jesus in our life as the most important thing? Do we spend more time with Jesus, talking to and about him, reading about him, thinking about him, worshiping him, praising him, than anything else in our life? Do we worship God with our studies, our social life, and our private life? Does he reign in all of those areas in our life? Grown up in church, I had no f- frame of reference for any of this. I could tell you all the good stories, David and Goliath, you know, Joseph, all of those things. But I had no idea about the kingdom of God. I had no idea about the intimacy that Jesus desires in our life. And so I, too, lived for something other than the kingdom, other than Jesus. I lived for a game. This game consumed me. This is a game of soccer. It consumed me. I played every day. I dressed the part. I mean, I was, I was consumed by this, all to play at the collegiate level. It would be easy to step back in my life now and say that was my major idol. I gave all of my time to it. I thought about it. I lived it. I practiced all of the time. I mean, when the season was over, I was out there the next day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was who I was. It was where all of my identity was, and you saw it when I made a mistake. It didn't even matter if we won. I could have made one mistake and it would eat me and I'd have to live in an anxious fear. Will I even get to play next time? I want you to know that that Jesus is the God who sets us free. And, and when I came to know Jesus and I'll tell you more of my story in a second I want you to know that the freedom of knowing Jesus allowed me to play the game in a better than I ever have. I was like, "God, why did you wait till my eligibility was up?" <laughs> Come on. I just think it's amazing that, that, that in time we, we get so narrow focused that we don't realize that as we actually live for God and we put him first, that, that he can meet us even in the, the things that we like to do. You see, Christianity is not about just having no fun. Actually, you'll have more fun and freedom in the reality of Jesus than you can without him. And let's just be honest, what this world and what the people on this campus say is fun, let's, come on, it's not really fun. Throwing up and puking, I don't know about you, that's not my idea of fun. Having a hangover the next day, it's not really fun. Giving yourself away is not really fun. Because you were created for something so much more. You were created for something so much more. And it's those things that get us wrapped up in anxious living, fearful thoughts. But we are called to choose Jesus before everything else. What does that look like practically? It means that we put Jesus, we think about him, we talk to him, we invite him into all the areas of our life. He's alive. It's about putting him as my main priority above everything else. But in order to prioritize the kingdom, you have to have a plan. Because if you don't have a plan, it's said this way, right? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. It's the same way with our relationships, especially our relationship with God. If you're hoping that Jesus transforms your life, he doesn't just do it. By you not talking to him and inviting him. Sure, he's able. And most of you come to know Christ and you have this moment of of a transformation in your heart and your life. And then we expect it to just continue, right? Without ever opening up our Bible or spending time with Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's about relationship. And relationships only grow as we spend time with each other. Are you following me? Right? And so Jesus desires you to spend time with him but you have to you have to have a plan and let me just tell you something right now You'll hear it again and again and again. But right now you have the most time you will ever have. This is it. I know you don't believe me. You looked at your syllabuses and you're like, my life's over. No, really. You have more time now than you will ever have in all of your life. And if you can get these disciplines down now as a college student, waking up, spending time with Jesus, what if you just decided this is going to be the year that I wake up and I spend time with Jesus and before I go to bed, I'm going to talk to Jesus, right, about the day. What if that's... All we did, it would probably be more than we've ever done in our life. And I want you to know that in, when I was in Montana, Jesus wrecked my life at the University of Montana through a ministry called Chi Alpha. I mean, I decided that I was going to spend time with, the, with God in the morning, and I was going to spend time with God at night. Now, I don't know if you are like me, but I couldn't get up in the morning. Anybody else? <laughs> right? You're like, 8 o'clock's are the death of me. And so how do you spend time with Jesus in the morning if you got an 8 o'clock? Well, you got to get up before 8 o'clock. Showers are a good idea, but I know that that they're overrated, right? So here's the deal. How do I do that? Well, the snooze button is my enemy. How did I develop the discipline? First of all, I want you to know the first thing I did is I got a job at 5 o'clock in the morning. As a college student washing dishes. And I listened to the Bible. And then I was awake and I started a prayer meeting. Why? Because I knew if I didn't do something radical, I wouldn't change. Every night I decided that at 10 o'clock at night, I don't care, I lived in a house with 10 Christian guys. I said goodnight at 10 o'clock, and I went to my room, I shut myself in with Jesus, and I worshiped, and I prayed, and I read the Bible every night. And I want you to understand that in that season, I saw and encountered God in ways that have changed my life. It's ruined me for anything else. I mean, there's three times at 10 o'clock at night, I was on my face, the God walked in the room and I literally was scared if I picked my head up from the table I'd see him and die and I I'm I'm not kidding you three times I had to tell God you got to go you got to go and then he would leave and I'd be like no come back you know You got to have a plan what is the plan Right, and when you develop this discipline here, there will always be seasons of your life where transition begins to change. Right, there's things that that shift. You're going to have many of them in your college career because next semester you're not going to have the same schedule as this semester. This summer you're not going to have the same summer. You know, you're not going to have the same schedule. So you have to prioritize. You have to fight for. There may be nothing you get more radical and more. Um, Uh, violent over than carving out time in your day to spend with Jesus. You got to have a plan. You got to have a plan to seek first the kingdom, to make him the priority of your life. And let me just tell you something right now. It will become, it'll probably feel like duty to begin with. Like it's my duty. It's something I have to do. But it's going to move from duty to delight to desire. But transition comes often, and oftentimes through transition, it goes back to duty to delight, to desire, and it's okay to walk through those, those different stages over and over and over again. It's happened in my life many times. Lastly, let me just say this. The band, come on back. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, what I want you to understand is is Jesus destroys the opportunity for there to be legalism in the kingdom. Somebody say, thank you, God. Because legalism causes you to work in order to earn his a favor, his attention, his affection. But he's already, right? He already loves you. There, it's not about working or earning it. It's already a free gift. It's just about stepping into the gift. It's just about stepping into his presence. It's just about making the conscious effort and priority of his kingdom in your life. And all of a sudden, he will meet you in that place. The Bible says what? Draw near to God and he will do what? Draw near to you. Do you want to be near him? It sounds like to me, I've got to take a step in his direction. His righteousness is the condition acceptable by God. I like referring it to as right standing. Here's the truth about righteousness. It's his righteousness. And the only way you're made right, that you're put in right standing with God, is because of what He's done for you. It's a reminder of the cross, the blood that was shed for you, to seek first His righteousness in your life. Because it's not about what you've done, it's about what He's done, friends. And sometimes even in christian faith you grow up and you're just you're just done with with the toiling and the spinning and maybe this year will be different maybe this year i'll find freedom from My sexual addictions. Maybe this year I'll find freedom from my insecurities. Maybe this year I'll find freedom from anxiety. And there's a God who's already won and already purchased your life so that you can be set free from all of those things that consume you. There is a God that is bigger than your sin. There's a God who loves you and wants to call you out of that place. There's a God who wants you to know hope and peace and love and freedom. It's already been done. The problem is, is that we don't prioritize seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. But the truth of the matter is, it's his righteousness has been placed on my life, not because I've earned it, but because of what he's done. Guys, there's a, that's a pretty sweet deal. But what happens is when, I, when I'm filled with anxiety and I don't make that the primary thing that I'm seeking and I'm going after, it's so easy to lose, to lose sight of Him. We have an opportunity tonight. There's a lot more that I could say. But my guess is that as this was penned 2,000 years ago, and about 25 years ago, I was in a similar place, clamoring for people's attention, hoping that somebody will notice and like me for who I am, but I didn't want to reveal who I really was. Desiring to be authentic, but feeling I could never really be myself. And there was this moment where a young lady invited me to this Chi Alpha meeting. My life was a mess. My eligibility was up, and I got through college with addictions. I'm telling you right now, nobody's in this room paying the money you're paying to walk out of college with addictions. But in order to fit in, I did what everybody else was doing. By my senior year, captain of the soccer team, I might have been at my lowest place when I should have been at what everybody else in the world thought was the highest place. You've got everything people would tell me. You've got the girl. You've got the fame. You've got the grades. You've got it all. And yet, deep down inside, I was empty as empty could be. And I started praying this prayer God, if you're real, you gotta change my life. God, if you're real, you gotta change my life. And I would add in, and if you're real, there's gotta be cool people that love you. Because I just thought Christians were losers, to be honest. Because I never took time to get to know one. She invites me to this service, and I walk in. There's a, a, a set of doors, and we step inside, and the presence of God scared me to death. I, I step back, and thank you, Jesus, that this young lady turned around and grabbed my hand and said, come on, you're coming in. We stepped inside the, 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 the worship service, and the presence of God was even greater, and I heard this voice say, you know those cool people you're looking for? They're right there. And there was 30 colleges. The Chi Alpha was 30 students large, right? And they were all up at the altar in the first worship song. And she turns around, she grabs my hand, and she pulls me up into the middle of these people radically loving Jesus through worship and song and praise. But I know he's real at this moment because I felt his presence and I heard his voice. I was on my face within seconds, crying out to God to come into my life and take over my life. And I want you to know that every addiction in my life was broken off in that encounter with Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What I could not do in my own strength, Jesus did in a moment. What I could not do in my own strength, Jesus did in a moment. Now, hear me out. I know there are some people in this room that you've repented over and over and over again for something and you still deal with it. Let me just say, first and foremost, sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, is a process. And although my story is not your story, my God can be your God. And if he's able to do that in my life, I believe wholeheartedly because he is no respecter of persons that he can do it in your life. I believe he can deliver you from strongholds in your life. I believe he can heal and make you whole emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And tonight, I believe he wants to start a journey with you. I believe there's some people in this room that if you were to surrender your life to Jesus, the things that you couldn't stop on your own and in your own strength, he can deliver you from like that. But there will be other people that he's inviting on a journey to say, come with me, come follow me. And we'll do this together one step at a time. And so tonight, I'm going to ask you a question this Jesus that left heaven and wrapped himself in flesh and came and walked this earth and lived a perfect life. He did it because he loves you. He loves humanity. He was without sin and he became sin so that you and I could be set free from it the wages of it, which is death. And so he hung on a tree and he died a brutal death. His blood was spilt to cover our life, our sin, so that you and I could be forgiven and walk into eternity with him from this point on. It is the greatest decision you will ever make. Some of us in this room may be about to make it for the first time, but I think there might be some other people in this room that when you were 12 years old, when you were eight years old, you gave your life to Jesus, but it hasn't been. He's not the Lord of your life. You're calling all the shots. You're trying to do it on your own. And Jesus says, come, come. Let me take that burden. Let me take it from you. And so if you're here tonight and you recognize that that God is real and that he loves you and that he died for you, that you want to know the Prince of Peace, I want you to just slip your hand up right now. That's right. I want you to slip every. I know know you might have been in church many times, but here in Chi Alpha, we don't bow our eyes and bow our heads and bow our eyes, bow our heads and close our eyes. We keep them open because the truth of the matter is, this is family. We want to celebrate with you. And if you can't raise your hand in this room where we'll celebrate, how will you ever raise your hand outside? How will you live for Christ out those doors? So I'm going to ask you again, if there's some people in this room that either want to give their life to Jesus for the first time, or you recognize that he has not been the Lord and Savior of your life. You've just been going for Savior, but it's time to make him Lord, where he reigns and rules over your life. I want you to slip up your hand right now. Is there anybody here? Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Let's go. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else would say that's me? Thank you. Come on. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Raise it high if I can't see it. Okay, here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something even bolder than raising your hand. There's going to be some people with lanyards that are going to come and they just want to pray with you. And so they're going to, make their way down. I'm going to ask you to make your way down if you raised your hand here in a moment. And I just want to encourage you. This family wants to celebrate with you. Put a Bible in your hand and help pray with you over the decisions you've made to make him Lord over your life. Are you ready? Please come. Stand up. If you raise your hand, staff is coming with lanyards. Thank you. Thank you. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. And if you didn't feel like you could raise your hand, there's still time to come. You're still welcome to step up out of your seat and come down. We'd love to pray with you and put a Bible in here. And for the rest of us tonight, let me let me just address this. They're going to take care of that. Some of us have been ridden with anxiety for far too long. And there is a God who wants to set you free from living a life full of anxiety. And if you're here today where you're like, I want to step out of this. I want to know the peace of God. In every area of my life, I I just, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. You don't need to come forward. I just want you to stand. I'm going to pray over you. Thank you. Come on. Is there anybody else that would say, I I don't want to live a life. I know God. I, I, I love him, but I'm done with anxiety. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Come on, I'm done with anxiety. I want to know his peace. I want to know his peace. I want to know his peace. Come on, I want you to put your hands out like this. Feel free to stand at any moment if that's you. Put your hands out. I'm just going to pray over you. Jesus, thank you, God, that you're the Prince of Peace. God, I'm asking over every single student that's standing right now, would you allow your peace to come upon them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet right now? Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, I'm asking God right now. Anxiety, God, from not being enough, anxiety from not fitting in, anxiety, God, from social media, anxiety, Lord God, that has kept me up at night. God, we say no more in Jesus' name. Come on, if you're sitting, I want you to pray for your brothers and sisters that are standing come on, go ahead. This is not a spectator sport. God, we just thank you in Jesus' name. God, that you are the Prince of Peace. And we ask God right now, come on, right now, God, that your peace would fall in this room like never before. God, I pray that people who haven't been able to sleep, God, when they lay down in bed would be able to sleep tonight like they've never slept before because of the peace of God. God, I pray for nightmares, those that, that have nightmares about failure, nightmares about things that have happened in the past and caused them. Them to fear what's going to happen in the future, God, we ask God that You would touch their brain, God. Right now, the images and the the haunt, the haunting of these these memories, God, that that keep them awake at night, God. We say, come on, in Jesus' name, that the peace of God would come upon them right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Right now, I pray that waves of the peace of God would come washing, wash over each person that's standing right now. Go ahead. We just ask, God, that the wave of peace right now over every single person standing in this room. God, we just say, come on. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One of the ways that you can plan to seek first the kingdom. Friends. I want to encourage you to get plugged into a life group. That tonight, another practical way to respond to seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness is that you get plugged into a Bible study. We call them life groups here. You don't want to miss out on an opportunity to walk closely with brothers and sisters in faith. To help pray with you when anxious, when anxiety rises back up in your life. You you can have brothers and sisters that will stand with you, will will walk with you. You don't want to miss out on an opportunity to know community like that. And so if you're here tonight and you're wondering, okay, God, this sounds great. Or maybe you're not even a freshman. You're a sophomore or junior and you're like, okay, I don't, how's it going to be different? Listen, let me tell you something. Step into a life group. And allow God to meet you. I'm going to pray. There's a reception outside. The band's going to play. You're welcome to go out, eat some snacks. But I encourage you to sign up for a life group. Jesus, we just love you. God, we thank you, God, for the call to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in our lives. And tonight, God, we just say, God, we say yes. God, we want to do that, God. And with your help, we know that we can do that. With your help, God. With your spirit, God, we can be people that seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. God, that it's not left up into our own strength. But the beautiful thing about the gospel is that you come to live and dwell inside of us, to walk with us through life, God, that we could walk, God, the way that you called us to walk. And so, God, we're asking, God, for your grace to be poured out tonight. God, that we will be people that seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.